0: Totally Football Show. After 364 games, 17 managerial changes, 2,575 goals and 2,013 made-up statistics, that's it then. The Premier League's Red Dwarf star implodes in a finale so pointless it could have been run by Frank De Boer. Still, there was fun, especially at Wembley where both sides came together for an ensemble end-of-season song-and-dance spectacular entitled No, You Defend. Ahead of the black hole of the largely footballless next few weeks, today's Totally Football Show previews the Europa League final answers some questions, round-ups the talking points from the weekend and fills up that vital hour in your day. Hang on, is this your stop? It's all in the Totally Football Show. Joining us on today's Totally Football Show, it's hello Michael Cox. Hello James. Here despite an injury. That is true, yeah. Okay,
1: suffered on the football field. Yeah, pretty niche injury. You put your
0: body in the line. You put your body on the line for for your team, essentially. Always,
1: yeah. right, and I know you'll be doing that today.
0: Mm. We'll have a special uh, Michael Cox injury tribute section later on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, Duncan Alexander, you're here despite being laden down by a season, literally a season's worth of
2: stats. A whole uh, season, yeah. Yeah, yeah that is a us, lot. You had your you had your greatest hits mm.
0: playing on Twitter this morning. I wonder if you could give us your favourite stat of the season.
2: Well, there are a lot. I think I enjoyed the fact that the player had the most shots without scoring was uh, Wilfred Ndidi. So was it? Ndidi score? I'm afraid not.
0: <laughs> oh, done. And so, is you're here uh, d- despite being a Sunderland fan.
3: Well, I'm glad, just pleased to be here like anyone yeah. else.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of a curious Sunday, wasn't it? The, the weekend, I mean, it was essentially just a Sunday afternoon. It was a bit weird though, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, there was a bit of, um, defending was optional Sunday.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the big talking points, I guess, from Sunday's matches. Gabriel Jesus' goal. What a lovely goal it was. I mean, the take, first of all, to set himself up. wasn't yeah. easy. Deft.
1: Yeah, mm. it was a, a wonderful goal and had significance, of course, because it meant that City got to 100 points. And mm. you could see that that really did mean a lot to the the City staff, who celebrated like it was the title winning. In fact, probably celebrated more than they actually yeah. when they did win the title, yeah, come to think of
3: it. suspicion they were on a bonus to reach 100 points. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <I> would, <laughs> it looked like it
2: to me. <laughs> I would have been very disappointed if they hadn't done it. I mean, to get that close. I mean, it's not going to happen very often, is it? So, fair play.
0: There's, there's so many stats. I wonder which your favourite is about... Man City.
2: They Uh, they were top of the league for 241 days, which sounds a lot, but it's actually only the sixth highest in the Premier League champion, which given all the other records they've broken, of which there are many.
0: Who's been uh, top of the league for longest without winning the title? My money's on Arsenal.
2: Possibly, yeah. I mean, this season, uh, Huddersfield were one of the four teams who were top of the table. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, I remember when Arsenal didn't win the title
2: in 2002-03, when United won it. Gilberto
1: Silva said something along the lines of, "Well, we were top for longer than them throughout the season," which but I thought that's was that's the real way. quiz, yeah, mm. odd way of looking at it.
0: Uh, well, anyway, Man City with that last-minute goal against Southampton, finishing with can confirm it's hundred.
2: <laughs> I was hoping that some league table software wouldn't be able to cope and it would go back to zero. Zero, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> beautiful. Uh, their goal difference is not that far off. That they're uh, seventy-nine and they are nineteen points ahead of second place side, Man United, which as we were pointing out with Julian on Thursday, you look at Lee Gunn and Mickey Mouse League and all that, they're only 17 points ahead, PSG. So it mm. gives you a little indication of how much Man City have been dominant. This season It's always important, of course, to strengthen when you're on top, David. You know that better than most. If you stand still, you're essentially going backwards. Go backwards, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do Man City, what do they have to do now to improve?
3: Well, I mean, they've already started by uh, securing Edison on a uh, new contract uh till two thousand twenty five so um i mean i I'm not am not sure he was in any any danger of uh, of leaving really but they've made sure that uh that that he's tied up and uh, i don't know whether defensively whether they need uh, somebody to to see if Vincent company's going to be uh, you know being able to to play him week in week out because he, he does make a difference. There's one thing about uh, John Stones as well that uh, I was I was hearing from someone that he's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit with uh, with Guardiola and uh, obviously I, I played it uh, Barnsley with John when he was young. <laughs> it was strange for me to hear that after Guardiola sort of he's he went into defending John Stones and the way that he plays all the time. That when now that he kind of feels that he's not uh, he's not progressing the way that he, he has done. I know he's been injured a little bit lately as well, but he's also played for under twenty threes as well in the mm. game. So it's uh, that's an interesting one, especially going to the World Cup as well.
0: Absolutely. What else caught your eye about this weekend,
1: Michael Duncan? Well, that's a very open question, James. Yeah, um... well,
0: because Mo Salah Got his golden boot, of course. But we had two players finishing with thirty-plus goals in the league, which is a first ever. Is that right, Duncan?
2: Happened in the early Premier League seasons. Shearer and Cole did it, but oh, that, did was, they? They okay. were, that was a forty-two game season. Ah. So, yeah, that people have to make that little adjustment. So, yeah, pretty impressive. I mean, obviously Kane's total of thirty was slightly helped with the uh, the slightly dubious goal at Stoke, which was Ericsson's and then given to Kane. So.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Chelsea blew it. Newcastle finished tenth. At the same time, from that that one game. What Was it 3-0 finish at some 3-0, really
1: yeah. good performance by Newcastle. I mean, Chelsea didn't really look like they were too interested, really, and I was surprised. Well, they didn't,
2: they didn't have a shot at all until the 52nd minute. Oh, really? So, not that up for it. I was say.
1: surprised that uh, Conte went with his, his five across the middle, which is usually his more defensive system. I can only assume that he was really treating that game as preparation for next weekend's FA Cup final, which is exactly what he did last year. In fact, the reason why John Terry only played... 26 minutes or 28 minutes I think it was in the end last year um, and rather than the whole game was Conte wanted to spend as long as possible last year with his starting 11 to treat it as a training session for the cup final so I wonder whether he was doing the same thing here kind of realised that the fourth place had gone um, obviously didn't work very well but that would explain why he played quite a defensive team absolutely perhaps
0: most shockingly from the weekend Arsenal won away at Huddersfield uh, Arsenal think bowing out with a final record of seven hundred and seven wins, two hundred and eighty draws and two hundred and forty eight defeats. Yet more well yet another goal from Pierre Omric Obumayang. It was nice for him to go out on a win. I also really enjoyed the, the kind of the, the, the fly pass, the succession of aeroplanes that went by. I don't were you across that,
3: David? What were the uh the, the There was a kind of like, Merci like, yeah.
0: Arsene and there was a couple of that and then it descended into a Stan Kroenke, you're next. Um and there was also a lot of banter from the fans. the Huddersfield Town uh Fans singing, uh, you wanted him out, you wanted him out, you two-faced bastards, you wanted him out. With, to which the Arsenal fans apparently replied, <laughs> Herbert Chapman, he left because you're a
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually nice inaccurate, actually, because Huddersfield had won back-to-back league titles and Arsenal had been battling against relegation. Right, why did he leave then? Because they doubled his salary. That doesn't scan so well, does it? No, it doesn't. Doubled his salary. That was
2: the uh, problem with pre-war football. Money was uh, killing the game. (laughs) (laughs) Talking of aeroplanes, by the way, apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently Port Vale hired a plane to fly over Stoke. Um, But they they arranged it for Saturday, not realising all the games are on Sunday. (laughs) Which is excellent.
0: Right. That's a lot of weekends. But there's more, because there was also West Ham's 3-1 win over Everton which apparently has shaken even Big Sam's
1: ironclad faith in his own permanence on the on the Everton bench for next season. Yeah, a funny game that, wasn't it, between two managers against their former clubs and managers who might not be at their current clubs next year. Mm. Uh, I thought West Ham played really well, actually. I mean, Lanzini scored two lovely goals. You look at the front three West Ham got with uh, with Lanzini, Joe Mario and Arnautovic, and I think that, that could easily... Uh, be a, a, you know, a top half front three maybe even higher up the league but the rest of the team needs a lot of work I mean defensively they they still look quite shambolic they considered a lot of goals in recent months they made a couple of odd signings you know in Zabaleta and Evra players who are kind of five years past the best so whoever comes in I think has, has got quite a big rebuilding job to do there right. uh, not to mention all the kind of off-field problems as well
0: uh, entering the pool of potential new managers of course is Reef Faria or however you pronounce that Josie Mourinho's erstwhile. What would I call him? Psychic? Lieutenant. Straight man? Lieutenant. Lieutenant, yes, that's yes, the yes, phrase. Yes, Do we have a precise idea of what he actually did in the kind of Mourinho day to day operation?
3: I think, of course, initially he was just a, it was a well, i say just a fitness coach. He was his fitness coach. But uh, over the years, he's, he's kind of, uh, I think Mourinho's, he, he he said that he's taken on all of his sort of his traits and all of his, uh, yeah. yeah. He's tactical now, and he's literally become sort of like a mini Mourinho. Mm. So now he's, you know, he said he won't stand in his way.
0: It's like a kind of boys from Brazil style operation. It's yeah. growing little Mourinhos around the place. Duncan, your view on the Man United good season, bad season debate?
2: Well, I think it's dependent on next weekend. You know, when the cup comes second, that is, you know, pretty good. Uh, but the, yeah, the 19 point gap to City, which is the biggest ever in a, in a Premier League season. But
0: it's a smaller gap than anybody else has.
2: That is true, that is true. So, yeah, you know, they've done all right.
0: Let me ask you another question then. If Liverpool win the Champions League on the 26th of May, will that mean that Daniel Sturridge is the first player to get relegated and win a Champions League medal in the same season? Because he played five times for Liverpool.
2: Uh, pretty, I'm pretty certain he will be, yeah. Um, so that's good. Yeah. He'll get he'll get a medal as well, I think. So, yeah? Yeah. OK, superb.
0: Superb. Uh, of course, West Brom are going down, as are Stoke and Swansea who finished off with a pretty abject, was it, 2-1 defeat at home to the Potters. Ross has a question. Michael, perhaps you'd like to try and field this. How did Swansea go from a jack to a king to a joker? Because there was that brilliant... <laughs> the stats yeah. say they had 17 points in their
1: first nine games under Carvajal, uh, But in the in the following nine, they only got three. I, I found his, his line-ups quite peculiar in the last few weeks. He's played this kind of three-at-the-back system. He's had the two AUs up front, which you kind of think it's quite nice because they're brothers and they're playing up front together, but I thought they roughly offered the same kind of thing. They didn't really stretch teams properly. Um, they, they just, I, I think they lost their identity, didn't they, Swansea? They used to be all about possession football. They moved away from that and didn't really have anything to fall back on. So many managerial changes. There was just a, a club really not offering much in the end. Mm, but
0: it's curious that you got such a tune out of them to begin with, but maybe that's the what they term the new manager bounce. Eventually it kind of flattens out.
1: Yeah, Quite possible. I mean, Duncan's probably got some uh, views on the new manager bounce and whether it's actually a thing.
2: Uh well, I think it is a little bit of a thing in the sense that, you know, you will get a, a win or two. I mean, Alan Pardew complained that Gary Megson had used his bounce up, which I've never heard before. But there we go. Um I mean, Carver, how he came out with that odd comment about chickens and picnics in pretty yeah. much from then on their form went downhill. Do you think
0: that was a metaphor or simile rather too far?
2: I think so. Yeah. Uh,
3: I think he lost his focus because he, he concentrated too much on his, uh, his metaphors and his similes. Yeah, he
2: was com- sort of almost like coming out after games with a new one every week, yeah. and it's like just... Yeah. You, know. you could see the excitement in his face. It, it, before the interview started, he started smiling because he knew what was coming.
0: Right. And then, and then it all dried up, and with. And with the similes, results.
3: Yeah, I mean, they were a pretty solid side and up to the final third, they, they, they weren't bad, but they just had nothing nothing cutting edge up front. Well, it's
1: pretty poor form to lose to a relegated side at home on the
3: final day. It I is, mean, isn't they
1: were probably going down, but I think the fans could have done with just, you know, not a celebration because they were going down, but, you know, make the fans the a little bit proud, yeah. finish on a high. Mm. That's really poor to lose 2-1 to a team with nothing to play for. Yeah, it certainly is. All right, did you see Spurs 5-4 with Leicester? Yes, thoroughly entertaining game. Okay. I enjoyed everything about this. I just thought it was a really fun game. The defending was a bit... Awful. A bit bad, but uh, I, I really enjoyed watching Mares and, and Vardy play together, possibly for the last time. Oh. Uh, Mares assisted Vardy for two goals. I particularly like the second one with just the little through ball. And Vardy's just got that knack of finishing so well from acute angles with power and just situations where you think... You know, I don't know David what you thought of the goalkeeping, but he does that a lot in terms of uh, sorry, in terms of Vardy, where he kind of almost surprises the goalkeeper by taking it early or putting it into the top corner. And he almost makes the keepers look silly
3: whereas I don't think there was too much Lewis did wrong. No, especially the one that's hype, he's uh the right hand top corner. Like
2: he was uh, yeah, it's it, it is a brilliant finish. It's been really good as well this season, Vardy. Um he's actually I think yesterday was the ninth game he scored in this season and lost, which is a Premier League wow. record. Um I mean he yeah, you know, he deserves a, a better team essentially, and you know, there's a, definitely an argument that he should probably be starting for England, maybe over Kane. Right.
0: Well, he could have been starting for Arsenal, of course, if he hadn't turned up his nose at the Gunners. Ha! Your favourite bit of goalkeeping, of course, this weekend, David, and possibly of the season, was that of Ben Amos
3: for was, Athletic. Yeah, absolutely outrageous save.
0: But I mean, this is gone quite viral. But for anyone who hasn't caught it, would you like to, you know, give us the scenario and, and what actually happened?
3: Yeah, uh, Shrewsbury just broke on Charlton. Uh, so this is the, goal, the, the second semi- leg
0: of their the, 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 the uh, League One playoff semi-final. They, Shrewsbury had already won one nil.
3: Yeah, when they were one nil up in this game as well. And obviously, Charlton are chasing the game late on, so they get left a bit bare at the back choose be a two on one with, uh, with Ben Amos to square of the ball uh, he goes to to close down the, the guy with the ball, he squares it and he's al- almost already on his uh, on the floor as he's dived to try and save the first one and he just turned round and he's got his back to the player. I can't, I can't remember who the player is, maybe he's Murray and he's uh, and he knows he's got no chance of getting in the correct position getting facing up to the ball and he just throws himself with his back to the ball. And just throws out a hand and saves it. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's almost like a uh, no look pass. Mm. It's the no look save. No
0: look save. Magnificent. All right. We'll talk hey, We'll talk more about those playoffs. Very, very shortly. A couple of other questions, if I might. Mm. One relating to Newcastle's three 0 defeat of Chelsea. Adam Widrington says, "Your manager of England. Do you take John Joe Shelby to Russia, Duncan?
2: Yeah, why not? It's been good. Hasn't it? Well, you've only
0: got twenty three places.
2: Yeah, but you know, they always take too many defenders. So."
0: Leave a few defenders behind. Yeah,
2: you can't leave it. You've got to take three goalkeepers, as North Korea found out a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just take Shelby. Just take him. Just take him.
3: What's the knock on Shelby? Why? Why is it? Well, I, I wouldn't take him simply because there was uh, when Newcastle played West Brom a couple of weeks ago. It was a kind of I saw that as a bit of a playoff between the two uh, between him and um, Livermore, Jake Livermore, yeah, and Jake Livermore played much better than uh, George okay. Shelby. So that, that in my book, that makes him the winner. For that, right. for that space, but I can I know that uh, uh, Gareth Southgate he wants to create a sort of more of a team harmony, mm. and he'll he'll leave out be, maybe his better players for the for the good of the group. And I think that's probably his way Is take, it a holistic it approach? I think that's what they call it. Yeah, well, it might be. Yeah, okay. Oh, on that North Korea twenty three man
1: thing, you know this story. They tried to. Humour humor me. Let's make pretend I, I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you've got to take 23 players, of which three have to be goalkeepers. Right. North Korea in, in 2010 tried to cheat by taking two goalkeepers and an extra striker. But then FIFA said, you're not allowed to do that. You have to take three goalkeepers, which right. meant that this poor lad suddenly just started training to be a goalkeeper because that's the only way he could be fielded. But so I don't,
0: he couldn't be fielded as an outfield well, player? Well, that's
1: what I don't understand because there's no law in football that says... Certain players must be goalkeepers. If you want to bring on David David James up front, as Stuart Pearce did for Man City, you can. But can you do that while you've got a goalkeeper between the posts as
0: well? Bring on another keeper, have essentially two goalkeepers on the field.
1: There's no law that precludes that. Any footballer is a footballer and can play in, in any position. Right, as long as he doesn't use his hands outside the box or anything. Would two well, goalkeepers
0: both be allowed to use their hands inside the box? <laughs> well, no, obviously not. I mean, well, that, would not make things, pattern, that would make Michael, things interesting. We're in uncharted territory here. Yeah,
1: I hadn't thought of it that way, James. That's a very fair point. Well, I reckon that's the
0: kind of thing that, kind of experimentation, bold experimentation that I'd love to see England come up with at the World Cup. Um, struggling to find three goalkeepers, let alone, you know. <laughs> Loads more questions to come. One final point for now, Duncan, is that, uh, did you notice Lewis Dunk heading in uh, Andrew Robertson's fourth goal was it for mm. Liverpool? Yeah, the fourth one, which has actually been credited to Andrew Robertson, even though Dunk heads it in.
2: It was sad because it would have been a new Premier League record. There you go. Because um, Dunk scored four own goals, equaling Liverpool's Martin Skirtle from mm. 2013-14. Um, and yeah, how close can you get to a fifth? Answer: Pretty close. Pretty close. Is there a point at which this ceases to be misfortune and, and evidence that
0: Lewis Dunk is just not paying enough attention? <sighs> Five own goals effectively in a
2: season I
3: think it's got more to do with it, how Brighton defend Because they defend so deep uh-huh. So I think that's probably And he's more likely to get touches on the ball right. In front of the goalkeeper
2: Before the weekend, before the four Liverpool goals um, 12% of the goals Brighton had let in Had been done goals
1: Well Lamella got denied a hat-trick With uh, one that was credited as an own goal Which is uh, an egil Austinstad, I think in the, mm. in the uh, parlance because okay. he he thought he'd scored a hat trick against Manchester United. Yeah. In Southampton's famous sixth. Well, he, did, he did
2: score a hat trick. It was a, it was in the game. It was it was only subsequently a few months later. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was very late in the season, so the Jeebus Goals Panel didn't meet until the summer. So a lot of um, uh-huh. like the Rothmans still record it as a as a hat trick because oh, it really? went in, it went in print and stuff. So when like, was this, right? Like 95, 96. 96 around then, yeah. But um, we once tweeted the list of people to score a hat-trick against uh, Manchester United in the Premier League
1: this is the famous 6-3 the the the
0: grey
2: shirt shirt, no no
1: no people get this Oh yeah, the the grey shirt was 3-1 oh was it yeah yeah Okay. the 6-3 was I think the week after United lost 5-0 at Newcastle oh okay. so Southampton beat them Mm 6-3 and
0: it features a hat-trick
2: a hat trick to all intents and purposes. Austin Sad walks off with the ball. The papers say three goals, etc. And I think it was only a few weeks or even months later that it was changed to I think a Phil Neville goal. Wow.
0: Um, why, why? Why did the dubious goals panel not meet until several months later?
2: In the nineties, they were more of a kind of uh, mysterious, you know, strange thing. Right.
1: <laughs> now they just do it on WhatsApp, don't
0: they? But, yeah.
2: But the point is that um. We once tweeted that Austin Stade hadn't scored a hat-trick against Manchester United, to right. which he responded with a picture of the match ball and saying they can't take this away from <laughs> him. <laughs> I really hope they send somebody around these houses to get the ball. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. <laughs> More such spellbinding information to come as we move into the exciting world of the playoffs after this
4: listeners our partnership with paddy power helps to keep this podcast free and speaking of free when you join paddy's rewards club every time you place five bets of 10 pounds or more on any sport in a single week paddy will give you a free 10 pound bet the following week sign up now at paddypower.com t's and c's apply max 10 pound bonus per person per week specific odds required exclude shops and cashed out bets 18 plus only be gamblerware.org and when the fun stops stop.
0: Hey, Playoffs fans, it's the second leg of the Championship Playoffs this week. Fulham are 1-0 down to Derby. So they went 23 games unbeaten and now they've lost two in a row. What's going on there, David Preeth?
3: Um Derby did a job on them. Hmm? Yeah, what um, kind of job? Just a, a very good defensive uh, set-up. The Mitrovic didn't have uh, much of a sniff. Sesson uh, Young probably had a bit of an off game. And... Uh, it, I think if they can keep those two players quiet, then they've got a decent chance at a Caribbean cottage tonight. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, that's coming up. Oh, actually, this evening, Monday night. What about the other semi-final, David? Is that more turnaroundable for Tony Pulis' Brave Borough as they head to Villa Park on Tuesday to try and come back from that 1-0 first-leg defeat on Teesside?
3: It is, and I think whoever wins this game will win the playoffs. All
0: right, well, much more up to the minute and informed information about... Those games in the totally football league show, which she, and she's going to be up extra early, might even be there for you now, listeners. If you think well, that's enough of this, let's go and find out what's happening in the playoffs. Uh, we mentioned Shrewsbury Town, who are now one game away from the championship, thanks to that victory, a uh, second straight one 0 win over Charlton. Uh, they will be facing in the League One playoff final either Scunthorpe or Rotherham. I saw
1: Rotherham beat Shrewsbury at the playoff. Sorry, in the Auto Windscreen Shield final in 1996, I think. Right. It's my first trip to Wembley. It's very memorable. Okay, that's nice. And talk, they're heading back there of course.
2: And talking of spurious finals at Wembley, the uh, the Tottenham Leicester game yesterday 5-4 mm-hmm. equals the most goals Has ever been in a competitive club match at Wembley, oh. which of course was the full members final in 1986, Chelsea 5 Man City 4. Wow. Not including NFL games.
3: Though. Hey, that's true. I don't know. I did I, I went to a Zenith Data Systems Cup final. Uh-huh. Uh, Middlesbrough against Chelsea 1-0 Middlesbrough. 20 to really go score a free
2: kick. Right, yeah.
3: Apropos so of what? what I just thought I'd mention it.
5: Okay. Well. Well, that, yeah, life. that was the same
2: yeah, trophy, They was kept it, yeah. renaming it the Simod Cup as well. Simmod Cup. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Reddin won that, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh,
0: good. Coming up to the Football League, Josh Miller wants us to give some recognition to Brackley Town. They're in the playoff final for the National League from the National League North. Impressive for a town of 13,000 up the town, and urges
2: Josh Miller. I was born in Brackley.
0: No way. Yeah. Where is it exactly then?
2: It's sort of equidistant between Oxford and Northampton. Okay. Um, yeah. And they're in the National League North. North. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those ones where they're kind of in the middle of the country, so they right. yeah they have to do a lot of long trips to Stockport and York and places.
1: Mm. I saw them beat uh, Kingstonian three 0 early in the season. And uh, oh, stop bragging, Michael. Honestly. <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I was still at the you know, ultras. Well, with the way Kingstonian was shooting, on I honestly don't think the ball came into the penalty area the whole game. Really? They, they look really really professional.
2: Like good players, you know, Bradley really well. Down, yeah. yeah, really more, well organized. More very professional fit. than I played for their youth team in reserves. So. Did he? Mm, but they weren't wow. very good though.
0: You must be excited for them, though the, their rise through the pyramid.
2: Yeah, it's been good. Exciting.
0: Okay. Uh, also rising through the pyramid, Trambit Rovers. This was quite exciting, actually. They got a man sent off mm. very, very early and then they lost another man who got hit on the head by a bottle thrown by Boreham Wood fans. That's wrong, isn't it? It is. No but call I mean, for that.
3: No, it's not. But it must have been a good throw, of that. Good, good arm on him. I, I once got um, three uh, Tramia fans uh, waiting for me outside the, the players' entrance to, to have a fight with me. Really? A couple of years ago, yeah. Why, David? Uh, they just took a dislike to me. I was sat in the bed. It was when I was coaching at Lincoln. Uh-huh. We, we were playing at uh, Prenton Park, and uh, they were leaving the stadium. and Just said a few words, and I just said you no. Know, did you say debat. I'll see you outside? Lance. No, I didn't. You know, I just said uh, yeah, see you later type thing, and a few and you expletives, did. and yeah, I did see him later. So that, yeah. that must have been quite disconcerting. Um, not really. It's quite funny that somebody takes you know takes the effort to wait around for you and wants to you know kind of offer you to have a fight.
0: So when you came out, they said, David, Price yeah. let's... Yeah.
3: And then they just started shouting, you know, it's, I mean, then what's the point? You know, at least fight me. If you are going to win, yeah. to fight me, you know. Right.
0: Okay.
1: I thought it was good to see that early red card. I mean, not the red card in itself, but it was mm. good the referee did give the red card because I think in a lot of situations, referees would say, it's a big final, no, it's a big occasion, let's keep it 11 against 11. But it was a red card tackle. Right. You know, 54 seconds in. Yeah, it reminded mm. me a bit of, you know... The opposite thing was when Howard Webb didn't send off Nigel De Jong, you know, and that gave license for Holland to to kick Spain out of the final and nearly succeeded actually. He lives with that regret. Yeah, I mean, he's admitted it was the wrong decision, doesn't he? Yeah.
0: Of course, big big occasion must be tough. Yeah, World Cup final, as you know, as this. Um, Trammer anyway, well done to them, and uh, censure for those Borum Wood fans. And uh, let's move here, yeah, tell you what, this would be the ideal place, speaking of that, to uh, introduce our Michael Cox Football Injury Tribute section. Just to preface this, listeners, with the fact that uh, when playing, when was it this weekend?
1: Yeah, last week, 5 aside. side last week. Yep. OK. Um, a ball was heading goalwards? Yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, it was unnecessary block.
0: So you got your head in the way, yep. Michael, and suffered a perforated eardrum? Yeah, that is
1: that is what the happened, what? yeah. A perforated eardrum?
0: <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> hey, it's the same injury that uh, Xavi Alonso has previously had
1: Yeah it made me feel better knowing that it was a, a legitimate football injury
2: Right. You know? Logically though that suggests you were turning your head Which for me I oh, don't probably. want to see my defenders doing
1: Yeah I mean ideally I would have got out of the way completely <laughs> I would have much rather conceded a Done goal Done a Nasri you think <laughs> Yeah
0: exactly Yeah, had right. the right idea Well we, we compiled a, a little list of football's funniest injuries It's the same old ones again listeners um, but they all seem to be from goalkeepers David it makes me wonder what's the funniest injury you've ever had
3: I broke my foot or broke my uh big toe when I was moving house how did you drop the sh- shift in a bed and it just you know where the sort of uh, the the frame clips into the Yeah, clips into each other it wasn't in properly and so when I put it there now I went to move away mm. And it's just all dropped onto my ear, uh, onto yeah. yeah, and it wasn't great because I just I'd, I'd had a bad tackle from some uh, from Danny Griffin who was at Dundee United at the time, and I kind of had a real bad a uh, uh, cut on my uh, on my foot, which got infected, so I had an infected gash on my foot, and uh, and I couldn't walk at all. So I wow. uh, Yeah,
0: no, listeners, you're short of material. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it about goalkeepers that they seem to pick up these roundups? I mean, obviously, there's that, there's the the famous.
2: Dave what? Besant Dave Besant Mayan. Salad, Salad cream. cream Salad cream yeah. Canizares did um, Aftershave Which was yeah, a sort yeah, of yeah. A Fancy continental fancy version continental. <laughs> Michael I think the
3: Danish keeper At Liverpool Michael Stensgaard he, uh, he, he I think he, he Knocked the iron off an iron board And went to catch it And then dislocated his shoulder Yeah that's a bad call I'm going to say yeah. Knock the iron off Leave it Yeah
0: Yeah she he dislocated his shoulder ironing oh, brilliantly. Do you remember the Queen of the South Keeper, Sam Henderson, this season? No. Possibly my all-time favourite, was hit by a runaway cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard Wright, do you remember this one, David? On, he then. fell from his parents' loft. <laughs> I would offer Sebastian Frey, who dived into a mostly empty swimming pool.
3: What? <laughs> I've seen that done before, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah he he'd just been signed by Inter. I think he he missed a whole bunch of that opening season because he was you know, quite seriously injured by the whole whole thing. Um, he's he's
1: an optimist, though. I think. Yeah, I the, the swimming pool was half full.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Well, as I say, it seems to happen a lot to goalkeepers. Yeah. I guess, mind you, you're you're almost trained to put up with what many of us would would regard as kind of. Extreme discomfort, you know, you literally fling yourself around all day and maybe that just kind of spills into your behaviour off the field. Yeah, or clumsiness. Well, yes, essentially. (laughs) But you have to lower your safeguards. I mean, it's, for me, one of the big questions about football, and there are many for me, but one of the big ones is how does a footballer override his natural unwillingness to throw himself sort of six, seven yards across a a hard pitch in winter Mm. and then do it again repeatedly? I mean...
3: Yeah, it's madness, really.
0: Is it? After each, how tri- long did it take you to train that 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 survival instinct out of yourself?
3: <sighs> out of myself. Yeah,
0: because uh, presumably at first you don't
3: want to dive. You, onto you, it. That's when you know when you you're, you're finished. Really, is when you're, you're in mid air and you think this is going to hurt. When oh, I you land. do. Yeah, I think. And Danny Danny Higginbottom said the same sort of when he was there. Uh, I think he went on at the end of his career. He played a few games for Chester. And he can't, And he was saying, "Well, I was going into the tackles, thinking I might get hurty." And as soon as you do that, that's when you finish. That's it. And I was the same. Yeah.
1: Genuine question: Do you think the perception and and role and the way the way the goalkeepers are spoken about and expected has changed over the years? Because people always used to say there was this goalkeeper's a crazy thing, mm. and you now look at someone like Petr Cech, for example. He's obviously not crazy. Or De Gea or Courtois, they seem the opposite. They seem calm and statesmanlike. And when you do get a crazy keeper like you know Jens Lehmann a few years ago, who was a very good goalkeeper. But he also had this perception he wasn't very good because he was crazy.
3: Mm. Uh, I think that the detail that you go into sort of and replaying things over, and analysing and sometimes over-analysing it lead over analysis. Mm-hmm. That's what can turn you crazy and sort of turn you... And I mean, I spoke before about sort of uh, superstitions that I've had. has been... It's it got ridiculous at times. Psychologically,
0: but, the pressure on the goalkeeper way beyond that on other players.
3: Yeah, but I mean, you, you learn to deal with that. You take on that responsibility. It, the people who don't take on that responsibility are the ones who don't don't make it really.
0: But it's not just the the responsibility; it's the fact that unlike other players, you've got ninety percent, ninety five percent of the match to just stand around thinking about what you've done. Yeah, and or that's haven't.
3: And you, they tell you you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to ruminate on the on the mistakes you made. But it's, it's there's no way you can't do that. Yeah, and it's um. I think we've we've gotten to this sort of this stereotype of a goalkeeper like Pete Schmeichel where you have to be a, a shouter on the ball and screaming at your defense and to to make sure that you keep yourself in the game when really it's absolutely to what you need. Hmm.
0: Is it any wonder that they go around throwing irons around it's a cry for help essentially yeah. isn't it really? but,
3: but all sport if 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 you thought about all sport logically you wouldn't you wouldn't play it at all. Say like you know you you wouldn't chase sort of uh not a lost cause, but you know, if, if you only went for balls that you think you could win, you would never win anything.
0: Oh, that's so true. That in, in life, I'd like to say, David, in life. Can I ask one more question about goalkeeping? Well, that was quite a nice point to finish
1: on, but go oh, on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> go on, Mark. You know when goalkeepers get stick for like making a save look good for the cameras? Oh, yeah. Do you think that ever actually happens at the top level with good goalkeepers? Because when I see a save and they're like, oh, the commentators say, oh, it's one for the cameras, I always think it's probably easier to make the save that way to get the ball further away from the goal etc it's just easier to dive and do do you know what I mean
0: did you ever make a Hollywood save David
3: did you ever do this thing oh I'll give this an extra bit of swaz for the cameras yeah but you 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 do what needs to be done it's just the fact that it 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 looks aesthetically better than most I mean if you can catch the ball you'll catch the ball if you don't have to dive you won't dive Mm. I think it's at the top level it's that's not that's not an issue
0: okay Mm. do you ever do a Hollywood stat Duncan Definitely. Needlessly dress up something. Oh yeah, definitely. yeah. Producer Ben says, or a Bollywood one where you break into song <laughs>
3: midway.
1: <Behind laughs> oh,
2: so yeah, that's a lot There is a
3: difference between ah. somebody who makes the makes the simple saves look difficult. Yeah, because they don't move their feet. That's that, but that's okay. difference.
0: All right. Also, in your footballing injuries greatest hits, of course, we can't not mention Liam Lawrence tripping over his dog while walking down the stairs three months out, and yes, Eva Banega, who amongst his many off-field misadventures also forgot to put the handbrake on at a petrol station and it ran him over. Of course, we, you know, that's actually that can be fatal. There was a, a Hollywood star who died in, in, I think, similar circumstances, Anton Yelchin. Tragic. Anyway, we'll move on at that point. After this, oh, we go Europa League final. Wednesday in Lyon, Atletico Madrid take on Marseille in the Europa League final. Very exciting, this. So much so that we've dialed up our friend Alvaro Romeo uh, from TalkSport International to tell us what we can expect from Diego Simeone's sexy Atleti. Hello there, Alvaro. Hello, James. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Are you excited about this final?
6: Yes, absolutely. I think that this is a a brilliant game and it's going to be really important for Atletico de Madrid. Uh, Not because uh, they have done a bad season so far, but it's been four years since Atletico de Madrid lifted their last trophy. That was in 2014. That happened with the old guard of Diego Pablo Simeone. Whereas this time, Atletico de Madrid is going to play with a younger squad, with the likes of Saul, the likes of Koke, Antoine Griezmann... uh, Jimenez, Lucas, Jan Oblak, and so on, and all this new generation doesn't have a title yet. So I believe that uh, if they win the title, uh, the Europa League title, is going to be a way of legitimating themselves Mm. and a way of saying, "All right, we are here and we are ready to fight for the next five, six years with Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid."
0: Oh, really? Okay. Because at the same time, there's a sense that it might be the final game for for certain members of this Atletico setup. Griezmann linked strongly with Barcelona, and there's the on. Question about Diego Simeone. Is that being put to bed now?
6: Uh, Not with Antoine Griezmann. Uh, It's looking like he's going to leave. So, from all the young players that I mentioned, Antoine Griezmann is going to be the one that uh, won't stay uh, in this new project. But I believe that uh, this is the game uh, that could uh, again re establish Atletico de Madrid uh, as a silverware winning team. And it's going to be very important for them also because. There are some, as I said before, some players that they've never won a trophy with Atletico de Madrid, and winning one is going to boost their their confidence a lot.
0: All right, interesting. Of course, they're they're still on track to finish second in the Liga, three points ahead currently of of Real Madrid, who beat Celta Vigo six nil at the weekend with a brace from Gareth Bale, who a lot of people are saying are busy inking himself onto the team sheet for the upcoming Champions League final.
6: Is that right? He- Yes, well, I think that Gareth Bale's position um, and Gareth Bale's uh, importance in the team has been revamped a little a little bit over the last three weeks. He has played real well from uh, some La Liga games. Uh, he has featured in some important games like El Clásico and he's been up to the challenge. When I was talking to, to you guys uh, back in March, uh, I remember that I said that it looked like Gareth Bale wasn't going to feature against PSG and uh, he didn't. But this time I wouldn't be surprised if Gareth Bale place in the Champions League final.
0: Meantime, though, the the most extraordinary result of the weekend has to be that Levante-Barcelona game.
6: Absolutely. Well, uh, the run of Barcelona, the good run, came to an end yesterday. It's been 43 games unbeaten in the league, 36 this current season. It is a very remarkable achievement uh, for a team that currently can be defined as consistent or solid rather than brilliant or innovative, as we used to label Barcelona in the past. Uh, Marca, a sports newspaper, described what happened yesterday at Levante at the second fiasco of the season, uh, being the first, the defeat against Roma. Oh. But labelling what happened yesterday as a fiasco is certainly being uh, hyperbolic. Uh, Levante uh, has 25 points in the last 10 La Liga games under the guidance of Paco López. Mm-hmm. I would say that uh, Levante is a good team and Barcelona has been unbeaten until May. That is very remarkable, no matter what, in a tournament that can have the Champions League winner of this year and the Europa League winner uh, of this year very soon. Um, The thing is that every time Barcelona has been beaten this season, it's been in an emphatic fashion against Real Madrid in the Super Cup with an aggregate of 5-1 for Los Blancos, uh, 3-0 in Roma and a subsequent elimination in the Champions League. Or a loss against Levante, conceding five goals.
1: Alvaro Romeo. He plays football with us sometimes. Oh, does he? And good? He's very, very good. What position did he play? Uh, well, it's as 5 aside. I imagine he's a forward, but he's uh, he's a good player. You love a bit of Adleti, don't you? I mean, I think they're a very good team, yeah. OK. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, right, because I, I look at them, I, I find them a bit dull, actually. Yeah,
1: I... yeah they are defensive-minded compared mm. to most top European sides, and they defend very well. But I do fancy them in this game. I think they're one of the best sides in Europe, to be honest, Atletico. I think they could, you know, if they were against Liverpool in a semi-final or Real Madrid in a semi-final, I'd fancy them to to uh, maybe get the win. So I think Marseille shouldn't be too much of a problem. But uh, they have to keep an eye on Tovan, the the Marseille attacking midfielder who was at Newcastle briefly, yeah. who's had a fantastic season. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if another Premier League side's... Uh, come in for him in the summer because he's scored an incredible number of goals for I one. Think, I think
0: he's, he's been making noises about staying at, at Marseille actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's one of uh, a legion of former Premier League names. Uh, Dimitri Payet, Tovan who flopped at Newcastle, Jordan Amavi who was relegated with Villa, Clinton N'G who was a flop at Spurs, Kostas Mitrogli who was relegated with Fulham, Adil Rami, uh, who's Mr Pamela Anderson of course most excitingly uh, Duncan. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Marseille but I must admit the numbers... Not least the fact that Marseille have been going since the third qualifying round of the, of the Europa League kind of qualifying system, it's a long old haul. So I, 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 kind of rooting for them to kind of defeat the the iron the iron wall of Diego Simeone's good and inspired Atleti.
3: No, I'm with Michael. I, I like seeing people defend that way. Right. It, it's great testament to, to Simeone that he's. It gets people. It's not just about setting up and you know putting things down on paper and uh, uh, people are organised. It's the desire to defend that way. Mm. I mean, sometimes it can wear off. I know people like you know Tony Pulis. It, it always has like a sort of sell-by date where it's it just wears off, like it did at West uh, West Brom, and people just turn tune off to that type of defending. And but I think uh, Simeone just keeps it going and going.
0: They've won the Europa League twice before. 2012 when they beat Athletic Bilbao and the year before when they beat, Duncan? Ful- Fulham. Fulham, Fulham. Roy Hodgson's Fulham. I think it was two years Mind before. blown. Oh, was it two years Sorry, before? Yeah. that's what three Yeah. Years. That was an amazing campaign from Fulham. But you forget that that was Fulham in the
1: Europa League Yeah, final. And the teams they got past as well. Juventus. Juventus. Shakhtar. Famous game. Shakhtar, who were the holders of the Europa League. All right. And uh, Wolfsburg, who were German champions at the time. Wow.
0: Incredible. Sorry, Duncan, you were about to interject something.
2: Well, just sort of, you know, stressing the dominance of La Liga, really. I mean, since 2013-14, Spanish teams have won the Europa League and the Champions League, seven of the eight trophies.
0: That's extraordinary.
2: The one uh, one that wasn't was obviously Manchester United last season. So, mm. I mean, feasibly, could be two more this year as well.
0: Certainly could. By the way, here's Martin Rudd, which is certainly how you pronounce that. He asked on Facebook, who gets the extra Champions League place if Atletico Madrid win the Europa League and Real Madrid win the Champions League, with both of them finishing in the Champions League places? How how does that work?
2: You can only have four places from league football. Okay, Um, And then the Europa League one is an additional place, like with England this season.
0: Right, so effectively Spain would still have just four
1: teams. They wouldn't get the fifth
2: place side going in. Yeah, because I've had to go and finish in the top four. Right, OK.
1: You don't you don't get bonus places as a league. You only get bonus places if you need it yourself. If that right, I see.
0: Quick break, and then we'll just do a quick round about what happened across the continent where the season is far from over. Listeners, starting up the Totally Football Show was a
4: hairy business. Fortunately, Cornerstone have been with us every step of the way. Why? Because they're in the business of making hairy things smooth, like your face cornerstones award-winning blades will give you the smoothest shave possible and their range of balms creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly alcohol free and suitable for the most sensitive skin head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see the range for yourself get 10 pounds off your first order and have it delivered right to your door and you'll find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to cornerstone
0: over on our facebook page listeners you know the one facebook.com slash the totally football show you can be in with a chance of winning one of three pairs of tickets to Wembley Stadium and the screening of the new documentary Bobby Robinson, More Than a Manager. It's taking place on the 23rd of May at 7.15pm, a full week before the film officially drops. Uh, there'll also be a Q&A with Terry Butcher. Ah, Duncan Alexander's eyebrows just shot upwards. Well, uh, will he have a blood-stained... Headscarf. You'd like to think so. I I would, yeah. Yeah, like Michael Cox is wearing right now. Mm. Mm. Anyway, if you'd like to be part of that experience, to call it a film, I think it's a reductive, experience, head to facebook.com slash the totally football show and wave your privacy goodbye. <laughs> France. <laughs> Three days. This is heartbreaking. Three days after playing in the French Cup final against PSG, plucky underdogs Les Hébiers have got relegated to the fourth division they only need a point this weekend mm. Michael I see it's that cup distraction isn't it yeah they were beaten 4-1 at Bezier they drop into the championnat national 2 which is the same level as PSG's reserve team I find reserve teams just
3: wrong. Reserve teams in oh no le- in sorry
0: reserve teams obviously yeah that that makes sense but reserve teams playing in the same league structure as everybody else and bizarrely the Italians have just decided that this is a good idea
3: yeah like for B teams yeah yeah it just yeah.
0: doesn't it's just ridiculous yeah where...
3: we had it in Denmark I had one season Ordenser oh, yeah? Odense where we were we played in sort of like it's the the third division split into east and west so we split into uh, we uh, we played in the third division and mm. it didn't make any difference to me right.
0: Odin, sir. Um, is that from Odin, the, you know, north god? I don't
1: know. Is that O-D-I-N? I don't know. Well,
0: is it, it is in our spelling. Oh, yeah, but I
1: think in, uh, in Spain, there's currently two B teams in the second division, Barcelona and Sevilla. Wow. And they're both in the relegation zone, which you'll be delighted about, James. I am delighted be about that. gone.
2: It. Yeah? No. <laughs> I mean, Obviously, in 1980. Copa, obviously. Obviously, yeah. The Copa del Rey final was Real Madrid against Real Madrid B. No way. Yeah. It makes a mockery. Seconding. Yeah. O- Odense, obviously,
3: is the home of uh, Hans Christian Andersen. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, it is, yeah. All oh, right. I've been to his house and everything. Right, whereas Sunderland is the home of Grimm, some would say. Uh, well, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> Grimsby is actually Ugly no. Town. Is that right? Yeah, uh, B-Y... Uh, is it Suffix? Um, B-Y? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, suffix, mm. B-Y. B-Y is town in uh, in Danish. Mm-hmm. So ev- all the, uh, the towns sort of down the east coast they finish finished with B.Y., mm-hmm. all Danish or uh, Viking settlements. Right. And Grimm is ugly.
0: Right, what, what, so
3: so Grim's be ugly Town.
0: What was it about the kind of topology of that site that led them to give it that name? Or was it just a really bad It town? must have
3: smelt of fish then, I think. Probably. Yeah, yeah. It does Gr- that's
0: fascinating. Yeah. OK, it's certainly way more interesting than what I was about. Germany, the, the Bundesliga season's uh, finished up. But Bayern, I mean, it lost at home to Stuttgart. It's their first defeat at the Allianz Arena for two years as a... Send-off for Jupp Heynckes. It wasn't much they will be much back when, midway
1: through next season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Adam Ola-Luckmann scored his fifth goal in 11 for Leipzig. They won 6-2 at to Berlin. But they didn't finish inside the top four, which is good news for Liverpool, because it means that they get to pick up Naby Keita cheaper than they otherwise would. What was it 68 million euros instead of 75? That's all very exciting. Hoffenheim were in the top four. They finished third above Dortmund and Hamburg are down, and there was, you know, much, much uh, unhappiness. Yes, rage. Mm. Well, understandably, never gone down before. Big Banner saying, we are Hamburg, you are not. Factually
2: correct. <laughs> Can't
0: argue with that. In Italy, everything was set up for a fascinating race for those top four places, but into blew it. They lost to Sassuolo 2-1 at home, which pretty much ensures that Lazio take fourth, and Roma sewed up their spot in the top four with a nil-nil draw in the big game against Juventus. They needed a point. Juventus needed a point. They both got a point. (laughs) Uh, We won't be celebrating that game on Golazzo this week, but we will have an interview by the excellent James Horncastle with the also excellent Nathaniel Shalabar about his year in Napoli and what it's like working with Maurizio Sarri. So, you know, Chelsea fans might want to listen to that. Sounds like this, by the way.
5: Tactically, he knew how to set the team up and how to try and stop the opposition and it was something that we worked on every single day in training and for me it was new because i went into training thinking oh we're going to play small-sided games there's going to be a lot of physicality and everything else and it was just all technical the sessions were about 40 minutes and you were done and inside
0: a very particular style yeah that you wanted to implement
5: literally it was this is how i want you to play this is how you're going to play, this is how you beat this team, this is how you beat that team, this is how you stop this team. And it just changed and it was every week, but it was something different because the opposition that you faced had something in their pocket. So I was just learning every single week and just looking at how he does his work and say the players that were playing, for, for example, I was covered to Hamsik, and he's an unbelievable player. So for me, I just kept watching him and seeing what he does, that I can add to my game. Like I said, it was probably one of the biggest changes for me in my career at the time.
0: And that's available on Wednesday. Now, if you are the listener who wrote in asking, when was the last time a team took the field with shirt numbers running 1-11, to you're in luck. Because Duncan Alexander is here for you, Duncan.
2: I am, um, yeah. Uh, so this, this is like a trick question, really, because remember ah. Manchester United wore retro kit when it was the anniversary of the Munich Air disaster right. in 2008, I think. Um, and there yeah, they wore 1-11. to But I think the actual last team to wear 1-11 to were Charleston Athletic back oh. in the late 90s. So, And obviously that was just a, a vagary re- of which players were given which numbers, but... Right. Yeah, but Holland did it in the 2010 World Cup final. Did they? Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah.
0: On the charting thing, was that when they had the world's most expensive centre-back pairing?
2: Fish cost a fortune. Yeah. It was oh, you like... threw
0: in the fish, but yeah, the cost of fortune was essentially...
2: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of Grimsby still, but um.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that era, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. Well, uh, excellent. That's That's the football then, in the broadest sense of the term. Let's get the odds not sure on what, from Lee Price of Paddy Power, who's talking to producer Ben.
4: Thank you, Jimbo. I'm here with Lee Price from Paddy Power, quite literally here in Totally Tales. Lee, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Ben? I'm okay, thank you. And it's the end of the Premier League season. Woo. Uh, City broke all sorts of records. Are they the favourites to do something similar next season or, you know, at least win it?
7: Yeah, I think after a record-breaking season and not just in terms of money spent, uh, we'd be absolutely mad not to put them as our favourites. They are, in fact, odds-on to retain their crown. They're 4-6, which sounds intense, but actually hard to argue with that.
4: And Mo Salah, he's the top scorer, he's the golden boot winner, He smashed all sorts of his own records. Is he going to be a one-season wanderer? Is he the real
7: deal? I'd be tempted to say he's the real deal. Uh, he's 5-1 to one to do the same next season. The biggest hurdle might be whether he's actually at Liverpool or not. Real Madrid, anyone?
4: It's not quite as exciting uh, over in Wales, is it now? Um, so Carlos Carvajal announced he was going to leave before the game. It was an absolute stinker. Who is the favourite to take over at Swansea
7: when they're down in the Championship? Yeah, not exciting at all, this. Uh, everyone's talking about Chris Coleman, despite the fact that he's ruled himself out of the job. He remains our favourite at 9-4. It's not exciting to look at the list of candidates. Graham Potter, Steve McLaren and Chris Wilder. Uh, Chris Coleman sounds quite glamorous compared to those guys.
4: Well, Rui Faria is uh, someone who's on the market as well.
7: Uh, Arsenal being linked with all
4: sorts of assistant managers at the
7: moment is uh, is old Rui one of them as well? He is. You notice the Liverpool assistant manager has disappeared from that discussion entirely now. Uh, Rui Faria is the third favourite for the Arsenal job, which is baffling. He's six to one to get that gig, uh, which isn't as mad when you consider the favourite is Mikel Arteta at six to four. A real runner cash over the weekend. Max Allegri's on the slide because he wants loads of cash.
4: And let's talk about an actual game that's actually happening, at Lee. It's the Europa League final in Lyon. It's between Atletico Madrid and Marseille. What are the odds on this one?
7: I think this one's really interesting. Atletico are obviously a, a bunch of bastards who are loving bastards uh, and I want them to be my bastards. They're odds on to win the match. They're 8-13 to to win. Marseille, despite some sort of home advantage and territory there, are 9-2, to which for a 90-minute match is massive odds.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypad.com. 18 plus only, folks. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Totally Football Show returns on Thursday, Duncan. But I won't be here because I'm going to be having sex with models.
2: Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) I'm off doing a model railway show. Uh, Ah, that sort of model. Yeah. I was thinking of a different kind.
0: Yeah, well, obviously that as well. But daytime, I'm going to be down uh, near Henley doing a special new show all about model railways. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, I think I've said too much already, but it's going to be coming out soon. Anyway, do enjoy the show as the folks react to the Europa League final and preview the FA Cup final. And, of course, the Royal Wedding, probably, too, because that's coming out. Uh, super. So do enjoy that. Many, many thanks in the meantime, Duncan, David and Michael for being with us today and you, listener, and we'll catch up with you again soon on the Totally Football Show. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising,
4: email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Gentlemen, are you feeling a bit crap? Well, you're not alone. Everyone does at some point. But the thing people don't realise is just how common it is in chaps like you and me. Last year, 76% of all the suicides in Britain were male. That's 4,287 men, a figure not much smaller than the average League 2 attendance last season. On average, 12 men take their own life every single day, meaning that the leading cause of death for men under 45 in the UK is suicide. Scary, huh? But that's part of the problem. There's still a strong social stigma around depression and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and seeking help when they need it. That's why we at the Totally Football Shows are working with Calm. They're the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide in the UK. Every day from 5pm till midnight, they provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. They've also got a website and a free magazine packed with the kind of information you need if you or any of your mates are having a rough time, as well as some cracking stuff on comedy, bands, film and, of course, football too. So if you are feeling crap, find Calm at thecalmzone.net for support and some straight-up manspiration.